welcome to mini episode 221 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And our story today comes from Ambrosia and it is from October the 17th, 2022. I was born and raised in Colorado. My parents bought a house 20 minutes north to be closer to my maternal grandparents as we lived in South Denver. The house needed some work, so we lived in the basement of my grandparents' house for a few months until completion. After a few years of living in that house, we were foreclosed on and moved into a tiny two-bedroom apartment five minutes away, and at 20, I left Colorado altogether. All my life, my parents and I have been into ghosts and the paranormal. We used to watch ghost hunters and ghost adventures religiously. Of course, I loved the thrill you get while watching the show, but as a kid, I hated going to bed after. Now, I refuse to watch paranormal anything after sunset. As for my paranormal experiences, they pale in comparison to those around me. Like I said, I was always into the paranormal, but in an arm's length kind of way. I've always felt like I was being watched in my grandma's basement and the short hallway in her front living room. Her basement steps lead down into a large common room with two bedrooms and a bathroom on the other side. Adjacent to the bottom of the steps is the doorway into the laundry room, which is only minutely smaller than the common room. My favourite cousin lived in California but came to visit one summer. She hung out with me for a few days and we were at my grandma's house. We got the bright idea to go downstairs to the room where everyone claimed to hear voices and do an EVP session. Good God, if you've ever heard the term don't shit where you eat, take it to heart. I will never enter that room again. Anyway, one of my older cousins showed up and we told her what we were about to do. She agreed that some weird stuff happened in that room and wanted to come down with us. So my two cousins, my mom and I went down and we started asking the usual questions while recording on our phones. Nothing. I want to note that I refused to stay in the basement whenever we played back the EVPs because, let's face it, I'm a grade A chicken shit. We had to go upstairs to the front porch where it was bright and sunny and more notably not next to any ghosts that could be communicating with us. We did this twice with nothing coming back. The last time we went down my mom said, Are you in the family? After what seemed like the most awkward and terrifying long pause, we went upstairs to play it back. We reviewed the recording and had to replay it several times when we arrived at that last question. You could hear a woman's voice whisper the word, No. At that point, my ghost hunting career was over. I had chills all over and my heart was racing. This house was old. At this point, my grandma had lived there for 20 years. I don't know when the house was built, but I'm sure it's been around long enough to retain some energy. A few years later, we were living in this tiny two-bedroom. From the front door, you could see the back window of my room. I was in the bathroom getting ready for school. I was about 19 and in college. I had to travel down to the campus, so I was trying to hurry up to not be late. I heard something tapping on what sounded like glass. I stopped and had a minor panic attack, but decided to be brave and put my big girl panties on. I went into my room. Nothing. The sound had stopped. I went back to the bathroom to finish brushing my hair and I heard the sound again. It sounded like plastic rapidly tapping on glass. The sound had moved. It was in my mom's room. I put my plastic brush on the back of the toilet, ensuring that it wouldn't fall. I was lazy and didn't feel like bending over to pick it up if it did. That was my priority as a 19-year-old. I slowly walked into my mom's room. 
To my horror, the window was open and the wind was flapping the plastic handles on the strings that controlled the blinds. Annoyed with myself, I grabbed them, moved them out of the way and headed back to the bathroom. In transit, I heard my brush fall. But it wasn't an average fall, it was across the bathroom, still rocking on its rounded back. I stopped and stared at it. The brush was still rocking when I picked it up. I picked it up, looked at it in my hand, and then looked at the toilet. I said nope out loud and left with my partially brushed hair. Later I told my dad and we tried to recreate what had happened. No matter how close I put it on the edge of the back of the toilet, it didn't fall the same way. I had to swat it with some force to get it to land the way it did earlier. Fast forward a few years and I was living with my husband in Virginia with our newborn baby girl in our own home. He left for deployment when she was five months old. I was still on active duty in the Navy, so I couldn't go home to be near my family. I was alone for seven months. At that time, I heard so many strange noises. The usual creaky sounds or the AC kicking on don't bother me. I understand a house sounds different when you're alone in silence. However, every night I was in the nursery rocking my baby to sleep, I would hear noises in the living room. From where the rocking chair is in her room, I could see through the living room into the kitchen by the front door. I bought six wood shelf pieces to install in the kitchen. I had three of them propped against the wall, and they had been there for some time. We have a 90-pound shelter dog that's also a big chicken shit that will snarl and bark behind the safety of a door, but be sweet and sniff with no barriers. I was trying to stay awake when I heard what sounded like these wood pieces slide off their propped position and fall flat on the floor. As soon as that happened, the dog came running in with his ears tucked and his eyes wide. He stood in the hallway looking into the living room for a while before settling down next to me. After putting the baby in her crib, I walked out to the living room to pick them up and move them somewhere the dog couldn't knock them over. Except, I did move them. I couldn't remember where or when, but they weren't in the living room anymore. They were the only objects that could have made that noise and nothing else was out of place. Every once in a while, I would hear random knocks and bumps that would send our dog sailing into the room with me. I always comforted him the best I could with a sleeping infant in my arms and would investigate as soon as I put her in her crib. Our dog's reaction was the only reason I knew that I wasn't making things up. On another night, I was getting ready for a school I was supposed to have, which required civilian clothes and not my uniform. My daughter was in bed, and I was trying on some shoes in front of my dresser. I was crouched down when I heard tap, tap, tap in front of me in my room. I stopped and I was super confused, especially when the dog came running into my room from the living room. I had so much fear of whatever was in the living room, I couldn't even grab my phone that was charging in there. I did what any grown adult would have done. I called my mom, but I was not getting my phone. I have a Google device in almost every room and I had it call her. She informed me that she could not help me and I told her I knew that but I just needed to calm down. I told her what had happened and she tried to convince me it was someone outside. I told her no. I heard tapping in front of me and there was no other disturbance other than the dog running in. If there had been a person in our yard, he would have aggressively barked at the door and nothing made sense. Eventually, I calmed down enough to go to bed and, of course, cuddled my dog that night. 
The next day, with shallow bravery, I walked to my window outside and tapped on the window. Except it wasn't the sound that I had heard. I begrudgingly walked into my room and tapped on the mirror on my dresser. That wasn't it. Then I tapped on the vase that I had sitting on my dresser. That was it. That was the sound that I had heard the night before. I had chills all over and decided to drop it. I had to be there by myself for a few more months until my husband got home. I wasn't going to acknowledge it. The following few stories are from my parents and my husband. We lived in the basement of my grandma's house for about six months when I turned 10, while we were renovating our new house about 15 minutes away. My dad would work nights at that time and my mom would be at home with me. I would sleep with my mom and wake up for school while my dad was sleeping. We had to share the bed except on weekends. I'd sleep with my grandma when my dad was home. One night my mom woke to her name being called from the top of the stairs in what sounded like my dad's voice. But it was hours before he was due home. She shouted, What? Obviously annoyed. Nothing. She asked him about it whenever he did get home and she was getting ready for work. He said, well, obviously it wasn't me, I just got here. After telling me the story, she told me another story where my uncle stayed in the room next to the one we would later occupy. He was trying to sleep one night and he heard voices in the closet. It scared him so bad that he came upstairs with a knife looking for someone in the house. He woke my mom up and forced her to look. And of course, my mom was thoroughly annoyed. She went down to confirm not a soul that they could see anyway was down there. When my mom was about 18, she stayed with her aunt in Colorado Springs for a few days. It's about 45 minutes from where I grew up in Denver, Colorado. One night, my mom was reading in bed and my aunt was sitting on the couch in the living room. The way the house was situated, my mom said she could see the couch from where she was sat on the bed. It was about 10 o'clock in the evening when they heard a knock on the door. My aunt got up and answered the door to see a woman in a heavy coat and a suitcase. It was the summer, and the summers in Colorado are arid and hot, even at night. The lady asked if she could use the phone to call her father for a ride. My aunt let her in and allowed her to use the phone, but she never asked for an address. I'm not sure of the specifics of the phone call, but it was strange. After the lady hung up, she sat next to my aunt and they started talking. The entire time my mom was creeping from the bedroom. The woman explained that her family didn't like that she believed in God and it was starting to turn her husband against her. At this point, my mom came to sit on the couch because my aunt gave her a worried look. After about 10 minutes, there was another knock on the door. They opened the door to a group of men and women wearing coats and turtlenecks. They asked for the lady, but she didn't want to go with them. After a moment, she reluctantly stood, grabbed her suitcase and left with them. My aunt closed the door behind her and my mom and aunt watched from the windows. The group made it partially down the walkway in my aunt's yard. The woman was on her knees and one of the men put a cross on her forehead. My mom heard one of them say, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this body or whatever the saying is. They both quickly sat on the couch. My aunt started crying profusely and asked why. All my mom could say that maybe it was a test from God because my aunt would always say she'd never believe it until it happened to her. 
My mom had other experiences when she was a child where she saw and heard things, but most recently my mom told me she started seeing shadow people in my grandmother's house. That definitely does not make me want to visit soon. My husband and I visited my parents back home for Christmas. We decided to go up to Estes Park with my parents and one of my cousins to do a ghost tour in the Stanley Hotel. During the tour we walked down one hallway and my dad was by himself taking his time behind us. He said something under his breath but still audible which he regularly does and he heard somebody respond to him. He looked around and there was no one near him. He was too far away for any of us to hear him even if he was talking at an average volume. He shook it off and we ended up at the bottom of the staircase outside of the room where the lady that haunts it doesn't like couples to sleep together if they aren't married. The tour guide allowed us to take pictures and none of us got anything except my dad. He got this head-to-toe, grey, blurred, humanoid figure that looked like it was trying to sprint around the railing and up the staircase. No one crossed his path. And I remember because I made sure to keep out of his way while he took the picture. My dad was the only one who got a picture of it. No one in the group was short enough or wearing all grey. About five years ago, we were figuring out how to arrange the furniture in the bedroom of our new house. My husband told me all these rules he has for a bed. He can't sleep next to the door and the bed can't face a mirror. All the doors are closed, etc. I don't care one way or another. I could sleep in the dark with the door open. It may take time, but I'll get used to it. His parents arrived from out of state for a visit a few weeks later after we all went to bed, but I could feel my husband still awake. Something was off. He usually falls asleep first. He suddenly spoke up and asked if I wanted to sleep on the couch and I said sure. With a quickness he grabbed pillows and blankets and we set up. He was asleep in no time on our couch with the TV on. The whole time in the back of my mind I was thinking something must be wrong if we were sleeping out there with guests in the house. Even his dad was surprised. The other day he described in detail what had happened. He described her as the nun from the horror movie that came out a couple of years ago. She stood in the corner behind our door, head lowered but eyes on him, the entire time looking at him. No audible words. Her mouth moved to scream but nothing came out. I'm not sure if she glows or anything because she will only appear when the TV isn't turned on and it's dark in the room. If he acknowledges her, she will get closer gradually, gliding, not walking, towards him. Eventually she will be beside him, bent over him, mutely screaming at him. She disappears when the TV is turned on. This is how he described it the other day when he casually mentioned that she visited the night before. I asked him why he didn't wake me up, but he couldn't answer. I also asked if it was sleep paralysis and he said, No, this was different, I was awake, I even grabbed my phone. He talked about her with some co-workers who suggested a ghost app. She didn't pop up on it. He jokingly said to her, Ha, you're not really here. He turned on the TV and I guess she just disappeared or he fell asleep. I asked him how long he's been seeing her, but he said as long as we've been together, so seven years. I asked if he saw her in the other places that we had lived. He said not that he could remember, but as long as we'd been sleeping in the same bed, we had to have a TV on. He also explained that she goes everywhere except for the ship. The ship is a prime scare opportunity because it's dark and there are only red lights in the berthing where we slept. If I wanted to scare the living shit out of someone, that would be the place. That's just me, though. 
He has had no reason to lie to me and hasn't before and I honestly believe this happens to him. I don't know if she's really there or if it's a dream. I got so worried about him that I had a dream about her. Since the night that we moved to the couch, we arranged the bed on a different wall. I was in bed one night and started dreaming that I was in our room and it was arranged the way it was when we moved in. I sat up and that's when I saw her. In the corner behind the door. I got up kneeling next to my husband who was asleep and started yelling and cursing at her to leave him alone and to go away. I woke up with my heart pounding and scared because I thought it was real. I've had several episodes of sleep paralysis but I don't think it was her. They're usually with an overwhelming feeling of dread and this dream was filled with anger and frustration. I don't blame you. I think if I was living with somebody and they were being haunted by something, right? And they were saying to me, oh, I keep seeing this this nun in my dreams or I keep seeing this entity in my dreams and then that entity showed up in my dream, you know that I'm going to be scrapping with that entity. And I get it. I, I Like Ambrosia, I get it. I would be like, no, I'm my husband is not going through this. My friend is not going through this. The person I love is not going through this. No, we're not doing this because you are, you, you need to go back to where you belong, which is clearly hell. Because why you all being a nun coming here to scare people? That's not what nuns are supposed to do. And actually, I I feel like nuns glide in real life. I think it's like a prerequisite of being a nun that it's like a rule that you have to learn how to glide. I don't know. Maybe they like, maybe you have to wear rollerblades as part of, of the nun uniform. Can anybody confirm or deny? And can I just say as well, I love your brutal honesty about <laughs> your short-lived ghost hunting career. I think I'd be the same. I think if I was ever ghost hunting anywhere and something actually happened, I'd be like, well, that's that's me out. Um, It was a long and lucrative career, but I am now retired from the ghost hunting business. No, thank you. I am done. And I also love when people have these stories of things happening, like the, the tapping while you're brushing your hair and then you go into another room and you're like, oh, it's actually just the blinds. I've just been really frightened about the blinds. I've been really frightened about something normal. And now now I feel silly. I do find poltergeist activity really intriguing because it's like um, when I was talking about oddities. So I was talking about oddities on Patreon this week. Those things where you're like, huh, I mean, that might have a natural explanation, but I don't I don't know what it is. And it's an isolated incident, but I'm really freaked by it. I kind of love those stories because they're so they happen so often to people. You don't necessarily have to be like living in a crazy haunted house for those oddities to happen. And we all know that dogs are naturally ghost barometers. Dogs and babies are natural ghost barometers. All you got to do is just carry one of them around. That's a ghost hunting TV show that I want to see. I want to see dogs hunting ghosts. That's what I want. If if anybody, if Discovery Channel, if you're listening, dogs hunting ghosts. I want to see it. If it already exists, I'm taking the credit for it. The nun is a lot though and it's making me look over my shoulder a little bit. I'm recording this in the dark and I'm next to a window so because it's dark outside everything from inside the room is reflecting onto the window and I keep being really paranoid that I'm I'm going to turn I'm going to look at the window and there's just going to be a nun standing behind me and it's giving me the ick I have to say. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you so much to Ambrosia for sending in your story. Remember, if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.